we signed a huge deal with one of Canada's largest retailers the week before COVID started. And then that retailer pulled out. And for us, we experienced the negative effects of COVID on businesses immediately. This is Culture at a Crossroads with David Mann. We are back to explore the intersection of faith and culture in Canada as we chat with influential Canadians and trying to help you understand what change in our country means to your faith. Joining me this week is Madison D'Souza, recently married, and she is the Chief Branding Officer for In the Clear Zone based in London, Ontario. Thanks so much for taking the time, Madison. Yeah, no problem. Super happy to be here with you today, David. Yeah, nice to reconnect as well. Mm-hmm. Now, you and your sister are like two peas in a pod, and I wonder, with the last name Olson, did you ever get any comparisons growing up to the infamous Mary-Kate and Ashley? You know what we did? And the thing is that my sister and I actually look quite similar as well. I'm younger than her, but I'm also a bit taller now. But when we were younger, I was almost the same height as her growing up. So it definitely was confusing for for a lot of people, obviously, outside of her and I. But even now, we, we look so similar and people always you know, make comments about the twins as well. The Olsen twins. So yeah. (laughs) Do you ever dress up as them? No, no, we haven't, but that's actually not a bad idea. Yeah. Well, and it's actually funny. I have two of my, well, my aunts, their last name is Olsen and they're actually twins. So we, the Olsen twins run in our family one way or another, but I should dress up as, we should dress up as them for Halloween one time. Would you say that being an entrepreneur, starting something has always been like on your radar, something you've been interested in? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I would definitely say like, I think when I was younger, it wasn't like entrepreneurship specifically that I was interested in. Uh, But I've always been very much of a self-starter type person. I think my first sort of self-starting endeavor was in elementary school and I took on being our elementary school president you know in grade eight just represented all of the kids um so leadership and you know entrepreneurship and stuff has some it's always been something that I've been very interested in and running the show I kind of I enjoy doing that as well it's strategy and stuff so do you and your sister find it challenging at all to work together and both running the show at times I mean, definitely there are, there are definitely times where we can, where we can butt heads, but we've pretty much like every business that we've worked on together, we've split up our responsibilities pretty clearly so that we know what we're in charge of. And so we don't really overlap too much on different topics and stuff. So we did that intentionally so that we weren't, you know, butting heads too much with, you know, being the leader or leading different areas and stuff. So. We're okay with that. You're a long way from the previous fashion business you had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very long way. So yeah, we used to run a business called uh, Statement. So we ran fashion clothing logistics for retailers. We ran that business for, it was nearly three years. Right before we had to close the business, we actually were flown out to, have you ever heard of Y Combinator? No. So it is the, this is a pretty cool story and I'm pretty proud of it. So hence why I'm telling it, but um, Y Combinator is the world's largest accelerator program for high growth startups. Wow. 
So Y Combinator flew us out for an interview. Um, we didn't get into the program, but every year they have 20,000 applicants will apply. Then they fly out 700 for an interview and then they accept 100. So we were a part of the 700 and we got to meet with some of the coolest tech people, you know, founders of Twitch and CEOs of some of the biggest tech companies in Silicon Valley. And then we signed after that, we signed a huge deal with one of Canada's largest retailers the week before COVID started. And then COVID started and then that retailer pulled out and all of the other uh, retailers that we had been connecting with also pulled out too. So it was a pretty fast turnover for us. And for us, we experienced the negative effects of COVID on businesses immediately because we, we lost our business and we were in retail, which was hit extremely hard. So yeah, we felt it really, really quickly. And we knew we just wanted to bounce back as soon as we could and help other businesses navigate that trying season. So what was it that you already had at your disposal with statement that you were able to then take and, and use for in the clear zone so quickly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, with statement, we actually had a warehouse where we would hold the clothes when they were being rented out. And what we would do is we would send out two products, one product to be worn. So one product in different sizes rather and whatever size the customer wore, there would be a tag on the garment. So they'd rip off the tag and go wear the dress wherever they were going. So then the dress that came back unworn, we still had to sanitize, but we didn't necessarily have to fully dry clean it because it wasn't actually worn. So what we would do is we had an ozone room, a sanitization room where all of those clothes that were returned would go into there and we'd sanitize and disinfect the products completely. So when we had to shut down our warehouse, we still had these disinfecting products. So we thought to ourselves, okay, well, surely there's a way that we can apply the use of these products commercially. So at that point, we started going, we started as, like I said, a service-based business. We started going to law firms and accounting offices and dental offices. So all these essential businesses at the beginning of COVID. And we would go in with this equipment that we had from statement and we would sanitize the space. Yeah. And so that's kind of how we transitioned into that quite naturally. And we were very familiar with the technology already. And here you are today doing that. That's incredible. Here we are. Well, we're not we're not doing the service space, but we are making those products, which is a whole a whole nother ball game for sure. But yeah, it's great. Yeah. So talk about the shift that happened there. Why did you forego the the service and and uh, double down on making the product? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, there were a few main reasons why we pivoted. I would say that that's a, a pivot because it's you know still with, <laughs> within the business, I suppose, um, why we moved into manufacturing. So the first one was that having a service-based um, company come in and disinfect your space is really expensive. And it wasn't a financially sustainable solution for businesses that, especially during that season, were being hit so hard financially. So we recognized that it just wasn't a financially sustainable solution for them. Second of all, it also wasn't, you know, businesses wanted us to come in on a daily basis 
And we couldn't provide that service because we had other businesses that we had to go into. So we could could have grown the business to accommodate that. But either way, it would have been so expensive because businesses need a solution that's just ongoing. And we were only providing them with something that would, at the end of the day, sanitize the air just at the end of the day sort of thing. So that wasn't really working either. So that was when we kind of came to the point where we're like, okay, this is too expensive. And people are looking for something that's more of an ongoing solution. And our model right now isn't providing that for us. So we did a deep dive into a ton of research, started working with a research lab, just exploring the idea. Could we make these products? If we were to make them, how would we differentiate them from the, from the market? This is a very saturated old market, air purification. So how are we coming in with a unique proposition? And is this something, you know, financially that we could take on? Is this a feasible, is this a feasible opportunity? So we started with the research. We identified a few key market differentiators. And then we started working with um, a manufacturing facility based out of London and it all just really fell into place really nicely. And it's definitely uh, solving real problems more than the service-based solution was uh, for businesses and people. That's got to feel good. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's been really nice. A lot of people are very scared. So the fact that we can provide them with um, really great technology that very actively disinfects their space and brings them peace of mind is very rewarding, for sure. So what does it look like for them to be able to build these machines for lack of a better term that you distribute yeah i mean so we work with a company based out of london they're called oes and so i guess sort of the product flow is you know obviously we have to design we did all the research and figured out what needed to be in the product and what level of output of hydroxyls is the technology that we use now so what level of hydroxyl output we wanted, what kind of filters, we have different filters in our product, what kind of filters we wanted and what kind of filters we needed. So HEPA, carbon, and then we figured out what type of UV lights we wanted. So the nanometers of UV lights and a lot of grade 11 science came into play with, with the discovery of this. Wow. Um, and then we went to the drawing board and just we did a lot of iterations our first product david was literally insane it was an insane little machine it was like 25 pounds <laughs> it was a big circle it was a big black ugly circle like it was crazy we just had no idea what we were doing actually that wasn't even our first machine that was like our third machine our first one was even wilder and then anyways you just like you start building the products with your hands like my business partner and I, Janessa, we just started building them and trying to figure out, you know, how could we put these pieces together? How could we make this work? And then you just kind of go from move on from there. So then, okay, we've made this machine and it's totally ghetto and terrible. So then we go to a designer and the manufacturing facility. Okay, so how can we make this better? This is the idea, but how do we make this better and iterate upon this? And then it's just like constant product updates and renewals and stuff like that that we're making on the product because we're still so young so we haven't perfected it so there's lots of changes taking place on a regular basis and then once you get the design together and all the components together then they build and outsource a lot of the a lot of the building and then assemble it as well 
So you guys have both all of a sudden become engineers too, you and your sister. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say my sister is a little bit more of the engineer. She's, it's pretty impressive. At one point, I thought that she was an electrician. <laughs> um, I didn't take on any of the electrical. I was like, okay, I think she got electrocuted at one point as well. Um, yeah, it was it was crazy, like in our parents' basement, trying to figure out these products. <laughs> now we're not like that. It's much safer. <laughs> but the things you do when you're just starting and trying to figure it out and uh, yeah, it's wild what you'll do at those places. You mentioned this is a pretty saturated market. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's a market that will continue to grow though, as there, I'm sure there are some businesses that are a little bit behind on wanting sanitization and wanting to disinfect going forward? A hundred percent. One hundred percent. I think as well, I I think with COVID, a couple of things that we've learned is that as a business owner, you do have to be prepared for pretty much anything. So uh, and that is extremely difficult to do. But the good thing about our products and our technology is that the hydroxyls and the molecules that we create and send out into the space, they don't, you know, we say we they don't discriminate against what's in the air because they'll break apart and destroy whatever's in the air, whether it's pollen or allergen or viruses or bacteria. We send hydroxyls out, it'll attach itself and it'll break break those molecules apart. I think it's really important that obviously business owners are prepared and we can provide them with products that not only help to fight against COVID-19, the common flu, but also because hydroxyls don't necessarily care about what's in the air, it'll also help to combat whatever is in the future that comes their way. So I definitely anticipate that this market will 100% continue to grow and it'll become more competitive because a lot of the products that are currently in the market are very um, passive in what they offer. There are a few of our competitors that offer really great technology that actively disinfects spaces, but a a lot of products don't. So they actually might not even really be making that much of a difference in your space. Um, So I think it'll become more competitive for sure as people start releasing and recognizing the differences between the technologies that are offered as well. And is this something that would, you know, go hand in hand with wipes? Wipes are just going off the shelves because they kind of deal with the surfaces and the doorknobs and then you're with what you guys offer and, and, and make it's for the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, we definitely say that they go hand in hand together. We don't recommend stopping, you know, your regular sort of cleaning habits and processes and stuff. But our technology does disinfect, sanitize rather the air, which is a huge thing. You know, when you are in an office, your 60% of the air that you're breathing in is recycled air, dirty air, essentially from other people's lungs. Hmm. And you don't get a lot of air circulation. And people get sick in office spaces because there's the air quality is actually not great. It's so poor. So we still say that definitely the wipes, you know, people should continue down using the wipes. You might not have to use it as religiously, potentially, because our our product offers air and surface sanitization. Madison, I feel like there's a bit of a spiritual metaphor here with, uh, you know, disinfecting the air, the space that you're coming into. I know that you've been part of a lot of initiatives in your past. Some of my friends in, in Barrie have have shared their passion for Shine, which I know has been a big passion of yours and, and statement previously, as we've already alluded to. In all of these, it seems like there's this 
impetus of yours to want to help others? How does this flow out of your faith? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. You know, because of my faith, I am very focused on other people, you know, and and like you said, and helping others. You know, I'm not in it for myself. I don't care very I'm not I'm not a person that's very driven by financial reward. I'm very much driven by helping other people be successful in their lives. And I think that that comes from the desire to honestly, like make disciples of Jesus. So I think that that's, yeah, kind of how that that flows from my faith is wanting to help other people be successful with their businesses, but also wanting our team to be successful. I do a lot of the coaching and I'm very proud and thankful that the Lord has given us this opportunity to hire people because everyone that comes into our business by the grace of God leaves, whether they start part-time or do a contract, leaves being way better equipped to, you know, make impact and grow in their career than they did when they arrived. So, yeah, I think we're definitely very focused on developing other people and helping other people. And that definitely flows from, from my desire to tell people about Jesus, help the gospel get out. So I think it's all very, very much connected for sure. Now, I don't, I don't know your sister too well. I think I may have been at an event where she was, but I don't think I ever had a conversation like this. I know that you're a pretty extroverted person. And yeah, like you said, you're, you're pretty passionate about sharing your faith. How do you navigate that in, in the construct of a business where you want to be professional and you want to uh, stay focused on task, uh, but you also do have such a heart to like share this truth that will change someone's life? Yeah, I think that that comes down to you know, living a life that reflects Jesus, you know, in our business, I'm, we don't really talk very much about people who work with us, contractors or anything like that. We don't actually talk very much about faith or anything like that. But when it does come up, I have had people say to me before, oh, you know, I'm not surprised because of how you conduct yourself. You seem like someone who could be a Christian. And that's something that's, you know, a huge honor for me. I had a meeting recently with someone and we've been working with them for for over a year now on a specific part of our product. And we were having this lunch meeting and I it ended up just coming out that I was a Christian and that I, you know, attend church regularly and I'm very passionate about, you know, Jesus and the gospel. And yeah, they said that to me. They're like, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense with all the conversations that I've had with you. And so, you know, in business, personally, I don't know if it always means outright sharing the gospel straight up with people because your focus is, my focus in life is obviously that, but the focus in business is getting the tasks done and being in business and stuff like that. But living a life that reflects Christ, I think is an amazing testimony and speaks often sometimes louder than words as well. I can just hear the the words of the Apostle Paul, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. Sounds like that's what you're really striving to do. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Could you just share one of those examples of, of how your product is has helped a business, helped a person in the last several months? Yeah, for sure. Okay, this is a great example. This is actually from today. So Janessa was dropping off some products at a local business in London. We don't always do local. We don't always do drop offs, but when it's local, we try to. And she did a little demo for them. And they were just saying about how nervous they were to have their employees back in office and how 
they're holding this small kind of event for um, another corporation and they're having some bigger business meetings and they're extremely scared about having all their employees there, having this other business there and what could come about it. And they don't want to be the cause of problems for other people. So Janessa went in, did a demo. And honestly, after she called me after and she was like, wow, that went so well. These people feel just so comfortable with our products. So that was pretty cool today. And it's a a great business in, in London, Ontario. So we were really happy to be able to come alongside them and just be able to provide peace of mind with our great technology and really solve those problems and yeah, just help them start getting back to normal. So cool to hear that. Now you said this is going to continue to evolve. You're still refining, curating what you have. Is it conceivable that this could get to a place where the product that you offer can take down COVID if it's been in a place? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. So we're working with the research lab right now with one of our products to test specifically on COVID for sure. But there's been a lot of like our product specifically, but there's actually already been a lot of research that's come out with hydroxyl technology and ozone technology and its actual ability to to deactivate COVID. So we're still, like I said, working with the research lab to get that content for ourselves. But the research is already out there that the technology that we use is effective at destroying COVID. So we're very confident that we'll be able to come alongside that that research that's already been released. Wow, so exciting. So cutting edge. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Honestly, it's it's great. So yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking this time, Madison. It's a, a privilege to catch up with you again and to hear how you're blazing a trail for Christ in a, in a very needed realm of our world right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for having me, David. It was great connecting with you again. And if you want to find out anything more about Madison D'Souza and the role she plays within the Clear Zone, just head to the show notes at davidmanmedia.com slash podcast. Next time on Culture at a Crossroads. He is a sought-after speaker, an author, and a pioneer in the blogosphere with his content at challeys.com, among the most widely read for Christian blogs in the entire world. Tim Challies is considered an expert on productivity, technology, and temptation. And in the last couple of years, the sudden loss of his 20-year-old son has been especially testing. Yeah, it's been an opportunity to either put theology into practice or to throw it all away, which is, I think, all we can really do in times of a deep sorrow and deep loss is to say either these things have never been true or they're true right now. And I'm either going to choose to believe them in this moment or I'm just going to throw it all away and say, I didn't sign up for this. For Culture at a Crossroads, I'm David Mann. Thanks for joining us today. And we do invite you back next week as we once again explore the intersection of faith and culture in Canada, helping to better equip you in following Jesus. Jesus.